We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome into the Ravens Vault. In today's episode, Bobby and I are doing our first ever, just a completely Q&A mailbag. We are ridiculously excited about this this episode. Uh, Bobby, we put out a call just yesterday on social media to get some questions in. And I got to say, when I worked at the Ravens, you know, we did a weekly mailbag. We put out a call and get maybe like eight responses once again, our vault listeners have come in big. I think we got 43 questions here. Um, I don't know that we're going to be able to fit all of them in. We're going to try to fit in as many as possible. Um, maybe we'll do some lightning round stuff, but I can't get over. We just thank you once again for, for all the support. We're excited to get to all the questions. But, Bobby, we're coming back from an insane two weeks that maybe our listeners don't quite know about. Uh, we definitely want to get more long form episodes in here, but it's been it's been tough going the last two weeks. For who though? Wh- which one? <laughs> because you've had yourself quite uh, an end to summer. You know, before we ended up partnering up on this podcast, before you even knew that you could potentially be getting into the podcasting world, you and your family, as anyone would, this time of year, scheduled a European backpack caravan type of trip for two weeks. And uh, I just wanted to kind of peel back the curtain a little bit because I got to give you, as the NFL players say these days, Sarah, I got to give you your flowers because you did not ask for any vacation from the pot, from the vault. And you you proceeded on with your your getaway while continuing to allow me and help me as my co-host release these daily episodes. So one, how the heck did you do it? You're a mother of four. And two, what was your trip like? Yeah, well, first of all, like you're you're giving me props, but I I felt like you were the one who was like working around my schedule while I was out there. So so I thank you for that. Um, man, it it actually worked out okay. That we were mostly in Spain. We were also in Portugal and Morocco. So depending on which country we were in, we were about six to five hours ahead of you. So basically, it worked out well because I could go off, be with my family the entire day tour things, go to the beach, do all these different excursions. Um, and then pressures would happen around four o'clock Eastern time, which was about 10 o'clock my time, uh, to where I was at. So, you know, you just kind of put the family to bed. The problem is Bobby, and you know, this, I don't, I don't know about the listeners, but 
when we were recording, we had all these Air- Airbnbs or hotel rooms. And here it is. So the pressures would happen at 10 when we would start recording around around midnight. And props to my family and all my kids for trying to stay quiet in the background uh, while we were recording. So, but I have to say they got a little bit frustrated with me because I was having a hard time waking up in the mornings <laughs> when it was time to go out. But the best, the best story, I think, Bobby, you know this, was the day of the Ravens' first preseason game. Uh, you, the, the listeners probably could tell my sound was a little bit odd <laughs> that day. So background on that, that day we were in Morocco. Uh, so we had to travel all the way out there, took a ferry out there. And so I had to wake up to go to that trip. We got up at 5 a.m. And we got back at 12.30 a.m. my time. So I was gone the entire time. Meanwhile, the game was starting. So I let myself sleep for three hours. I woke up at 3.30 to catch up on the game and to get ready to record. I think we recorded around 4.30 or 5 a.m. And I felt so bad having to wake up my family. So what I did is I pulled a little table into this tiny Spanish kitchen that was super echoey. And at about, you know, f- you know, from 3, 3.30 a.m. till 6.30 a.m., I was just working in there. You know, you helped me out a lot, though, trying to help me catch up on stats and all that kind of stuff. That was that was a crazy, crazy day. And then I had to wake up the next morning at 8 a.m. to check out of our out of our Airbnb. So, But you know what? It's fun, Bobby, and you're a perfect partner to do it with. You were so great working around my schedule, so I thank you for that, and I appreciate the fans maybe being okay with the sound quality on that on that instant reaction of that game. Uh, let me just say this. Like, so that first preseason game – it's that moment where you're watching the game, you're watching the clock, you're doing the math because you are six hours. You know, there is a six hour time difference. You're six hours ahead. And I'm thinking to myself, uh, do you think she's going to actually wake up? <laughs> are, are we going to be able to release this podcast? You know, and of course, you were right there ready to roll. All, all of a sudden, I saw the, the, the Sarah emoji pop up into our Google Doc for the podcast uh, as we really peel back the curtain now. But uh, but yeah, it, it was a lot of fun. It was definitely challenging. Between the patience that your kids showed and how you guys um, maneuvered back and forth between all these Airbnb kind of spotty Wi-Fi systems and services over there across the pond, I, I got to give you some major credit for that. It, it was a lot of mixing and matching we did. Yeah. Yeah. Well, appreciate that. I'm glad. I'm glad I went to Europe, but I'm glad I'm back on a normal schedule on the East Coast time. And Bobby, as we're recording this and we're about to jump into the Q&A, we've got breaking news. The Deshaun Watson uh, decision has just come out. Can you catch us up on that? Do you have that in front of you? Yeah. So according to Adam Schefter, the NFL and the NFLPA, meaning the Players Association, they reached agreement on an 11 game suspension for Watson. Uh, the settlement includes a fine of $5 million that will go to charity, apparently. It's not signed as we currently tape this right now, meaning that the settlement deal, but it is agreed to verbally. And now that means that Deshaun will end up missing the first meeting between the Ravens and Browns, which is in October, but he will be available and ready to go versus Baltimore on December 4th. That's week 15. So, you know, a, a stiffer suspension, as a lot of us sort of expected. And now this saga enters its next phase, which is um, the Browns moving on uh, without him for a good chunk of this season. And, and that means Jacoby Brissett will officially face the Ravens in October. 
I will never understand why anybody, when they do quarterback rankings, could put Deshaun Watson ahead of, of Lamar with his availability this year and, and in the past. Just just unreal. So, Bobby, remind me, who's his first game back against? Yeah, how about this? The fact that after almost two years of being away from the NFL, they're going to face off against the Houston Texans, his former team. And I joked about this before coming on with you to record this. Are you telling me that's just a coincidence? Like, we can save this conversation for another time. But really? Really? The NFL scheduling makers didn't have anything to do with that, didn't have any influence on this decision in terms of duration? So, anyway, uh, yeah, he'll he'll face the Texans, his former team, and the, and the team that he wanted to leave. This suspension does not date back to 2021. I've seen a lot of that. Um online in recent weeks oh well he it, all in all he's going to be suspended two years no no he requested out of houston he didn't want to be there and he remained away from the team all of 2021 so it's just an 11 game suspension let's make that very clear yeah yeah totally totally agree and and it is it, it can't be a coincidence i mean 11 games like where do you come up with the number 11 like, why not 10? Why not 15? Like, why 11? <laughs> you know? And then it just so happens that he'll be back against the Texans. So he will not be there for that first Ravens game. So that'll be interesting stuff. All right, let's head into the Q&A. As I said, we got over 40 questions. We're not going to be able to get to all of them. So what we try to do is put them in categories. And then those that kind of overlapped, um, we just try to get get the one. So up top, we'll go into a little bit more detail. And then as we move along, we'll try to get more into kind of a lightning round situation. There were lots of roster questions. Um, Bobby and I plan on doing a 53-man roster podcast later on before they put out the 53-man list. So some of that will be a little bit more lightning round. But by far, <laughs> the most questions we got were about wide receivers. <laughs> um, which is not surprising. And then the second most was about Lamar. So we'll go ahead and, and start with number eight because he's the man. We have to be up front. There are some names here that we could butcher. <laughs> um, so we'll have a little fun with that in the future. If you do not want your name to be butchered, we ask that you give us a pronunciation guide <laughs> in your in your tweets or post to us. Let us know how to, to pronounce your name. So We'll start off with this, Bobby. We're going to start with Lamar Jackson. Obviously, it's his contract that continues to make the news. This question comes from Vikram Anton. I hope I got that right. Vikram. Uh, he has three questions regarding Lamar. He says, number one, what do you think the term of the contract is going to be? I'm sure the Ravens would like to make it long-term to utilize post-TV deals. Lamar may want short. Number two, will he be a 50 plus million or less per year. And number three, what do you think will the amount of guaranteed money be? Bobby, why don't you start us off? First and foremost, like if you want a specific episode that's, you know, kind of designed for all three of these, these questions, I think you go back to episode 22, our morning vault from earlier this week, where we sort of um, outlined and detailed a number of the, situations that could come into play if Lamar choose, and it's a big if obviously if he chooses to go down the franchise tag route similarly to the way that Kirk Cousins did before getting his big contract uh, within the last year or two in Minnesota so to kind of pick apart these questions Sarah and feel free to to jump in whenever you you feel is is necessary you know 
I think when it comes to guaranteed money, we have reason to believe based on reports that the Ravens are willing to go above what Kyler Murray received from the Arizona Cardinals in terms of guaranteed money, which is $160 million. The question becomes, are they going to reset the market the way that it was sort of done in Cleveland with Deshaun at 230 and give Lamar 235 guaranteed? I know you don't feel that's the case based on what you know about the organization, but has that changed since we recently chatted about it? Well, I don't think the organization wants to fully start a trend of fully guaranteeing contracts. That's that's more – I think that they more don't want to do like 100% guaranteed. So, But I don't rule out that they could give a little bit more guaranteed money than – than Deshaun, but maybe to to Vikram's point, if you have a longer term deal, yeah, I agree with him. I think the Ravens would want five, maybe six. And if you went with a six year deal, then that way you could give him more total guaranteed money uh, with a bigger contract, but the percentage isn't 100% guaranteed. I think it's pretty clear that Bashadi doesn't want to do that. He made that that very clear. So, yeah, I think also in terms of the long term, of course the Ravens want to do a long term, number one, because Lamar is still young. They want his prime years. Number two, it's easier for Eric DaCosta and the franchise to um, make roster plans if they know that they have their quarterback locked up. And so if you don't have your quarterback under a long-term deal, it's harder for them to construct and make a plan for, for, the, uh, for, the, for the roster long-term. Uh, and to his point, again, I do think they'll want to use TV money. And the more you can kind of backload, the Ravens more try to keep money even now. They used to really backload. They did that with Joe Flacco. And since Eric DeCoste has become the GM, he likes to have the money more split up evenly throughout the years. But there still probably would be some backloading with these TV deals coming in. Um, so, and Bobby, I know you have a strong feeling about whether he'll be a $50 million a year quarterback. I do. Yeah, I do. Based on the market, based on, um, his track record, based on his resume. And at the same time, you know, again, kind of going back to what we discussed in the morning vault episode 22 earlier this week, you know, what has Lamar done his entire career? He's bet on himself. So what's different now? I don't know. But what I do know is that Kirk Cousins took a similar approach and he made a boatload of money, yes, on a short-term sort of calculated risk kind of basis uh, that I could really see Lamar doing, right? I mean, we don't have the numbers in front of us right now, but if he were to take the franchise tag route, it would be mid-40s, uh, I think it was around $44 million or so, for 2023, which would be his sixth season in the NFL, and then the seventh uh, under under the tag would be north of 50 million. So at that point, you get to 2027 on, as an unrestricted free agent, and you could be looking at you know big time, skyrocketing kind of money for Lamar. And and if that's the way that he and his camp, he and his mother, he and the folks around him are are sort of game planning for, then I, I don't. Lamar has given us every reason to believe, Sarah, that he's willing to bet on himself and money's probably not going to change that or risk risk factor with the way he plays the game isn't going to change that either. Right. And I want to you you mentioned that episode, that episode. Uh, well, there's actually been two episodes. We had a little bit about the contract this this week. There was one where we talked a little bit about leverage 
And um, Ian Rappaport and Pat McAfee talked about how Lamar could get more leverage if he were being a jerk. But I actually don't think that's necessary. It's also not in Lamar's character, which is one of the reasons why we all love him so much. He's just such a professional, respectful guy and does always try to do the right thing and doesn't want to hurt his teammates or anything like that. I want to talk about leverage for each side. So when we when we posted that, Rappaport said that Lamar Jackson does not have as much leverage as Deshaun did. And that's true. When you're a straight-up free agent, and this is a quarterback league, a quarterback-driven league, where teams – and Bashadi has said it time and time again. You're – in the NFL, you're one of two teams. You're either a team that has a quarterback or you're a team that's searching for one. And if you don't have a quarterback, you're not winning in this league. So the Ravens know that. They really – deeply believe that too and so they 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 need Lamar and Lamar knows that and so the leverage that Lamar has is what you're talking about with this tag I unless he had a freak career ending injury I don't think that even a season ending injury is really going to hurt him so while he may not have as much leverage as Deshaun did because there were four teams vying for him Lamar still has leverage in this franchise tag area because if he went this route remember he was drafted the same year as Josh Allen and if he goes this route he's gonna blow away the guaranteed money that Josh Allen got by signing at the at last year I mean the quarterback market just keeps skyrocketing that's Lamar's leverage he doesn't need to be in a hurry I don't think injuries are a huge risk you know not the way it was talked about three or four years ago he can have almost he'll have over 200 million guaranteed if he if he went the the franchise route once he becomes a, a UFA in in 2025 if he went that route. So I think Lamar has plenty of leverage because the Ravens want him, the Ravens need him and he doesn't have a lot of risk, you know, with injury. I don't think that would change teams trying to sign him if he somehow got a season-ending injury. And at the same time, the Ravens do have a little leverage themselves in that they aren't competing with three other teams. So both sides have leverage, but both sides, both sides, this is what I like about this situation. Lamar Jackson isn't a jerk, as as Rappaport said. He's not a jerk. The Ravens also aren't a scumbag organization. Now, both sides want to do what's best for them. The Ravens don't want to go above a certain mount. We know that there's never been a Super Bowl winner that's given, I think, more than 20. It's like in the low 20 percent to a quarterback. So the Ravens, I guarantee you, they don't they know those numbers. But then Lamar is looking like there doesn't need to be a bad guy in this situation because neither side is treating the other side poorly. They're both going about it the right way where they're both trying to protect their own interests. And I think, Bobby, I still believe that a deal is going to get done before week one. I still go back to the change in tone that Lamar had when he was interviewed uh, during minicamp versus his first interview in training camp. Even he said he thinks it's going to get done. These things take time. Deadline spur action. The deadline is before week one. I still I still have, am optimistic that it will get done and that it will get done in a professional right way. We just got to give it time to happen. I thought so as well a couple weeks ago, but every day that goes by and creeps closer and closer to the start of the season uh, leads to 
more, I should say, opens up the door for more and more speculation. All right, we could talk about this for an entire episode. Let's move on to the next mailbag question. It comes from Marco G. That is at Real Marco G on Twitter. Marco writes, love the show. Do you guys see a scenario where Ravens trade Tyler Huntley since he has good value right now for draft picks and then elect to go with Anthony Brown as the backup? Uh, I'll come right out and say, Sarah, that while Huntley is in his you know infancy, essentially, in the NFL, he is a bargain. His value does not match up with his numbers that the Ravens are paying him. I mean, this guy is super, super valuable to Baltimore. We were reminded of that last year, last season when Lamar went down. And and he's somebody who, uh, again, I think when you go around the league, he may not be the best primary backup, Sarah, in, in the entire NFL. But I'm not sure there's a more valuable backup in all of the NFL league-wide based on his importance to this team and his strengths within the offense and his similarities when it comes to style of play to Lamar. Right. I agree. I don't see a scenario where the Ravens would trade him unless somebody came in with like this over-the-top offer, which I don't see happening. I always go back to um, think about some of the trades. You know, the Ravens traded Joe Flacco for a fourth-round pick. This was a Super Bowl MVP. You know, he was still somewhat somewhat young for for a quarterback. Uh, the Ravens got Marcus Peters for, a, was it a fifth-round pick, was it? Um, I just don't, I don't agree with the idea that he has good value for draft picks. Like I just, to me, what's the highest draft pick they could get for him? He was an undrafted rookie, like a sixth rounder, maybe, maybe a fifth rounder, maybe. I highly doubt that. And so you kind of have to ask yourself if, if it were around a sixth round, is a sixth round pick worth losing your backup quarterback that really matches what your offense does already with Lamar Jackson. Um, I, I don't think so. I, I don't, I think a, a good backup is more value to the Ravens than a six, six round pick. All right. Then Nick asked this question. He says, what is the biggest improvement that you and Bobby have seen Lamar make? I think it's hard to answer this without, without being in real games. We're not we're likely not going to see Lamar Jackson in the preseason at all. There's no reason to risk that. He's obviously come back uh with more muscle and um nobody has seen a drop in his speed because of it. He's come back and I always feel like this is true. He comes back always a little bit of a better passer after the offseason. He it's clear to me he puts in work. Uh even t- teammates receivers have said that he's put more zip on the ball. Um so that's all good. But again, in these training camp practices, the defense really can't come at him. They can't touch him. They can't really come at him with with to get sacks um, for most of training camp, other than a couple of practice here and there. The DBs are not looking to light up receivers. I mean, it's just it's just not real defense. So, Nick, I think that I'd like to come back to this question. Maybe Bobby can add some. I'd like to come back to this question maybe a quarter of the way into the season and really have some substance to behind talking about what his biggest improvements are. I like that as well. You know, we'll be looking at things like, okay, has the added muscle slowed him down at all? Greg Roman says, no, he's actually faster, which is funny. Lamar doesn't think so at all. So that's something to watch. Obviously, um, he, he took strides in the outside the numbers area of his game as a passer last season. I'll be curious to see if, if that's an area that continues to improve upon it. And, and Obviously, probably 
most importantly, the deep ball connection, especially with Rashad Bateman as his new number one. So those will be areas that we'll revisit. And again, uh, Nick, thanks for your question at OG Nick. 410. Love the area code there. All right, let's transition to the franchise strategy section here of our mailbag. And this, Sarah, this is your bread and butter. This one comes in from Adit Mahmood. He writes, are the Ravens the money ball team of the NFL with how they seemingly target premium talent at non-premium positions such as safeties, tight ends, and interior O-linemen while also employing the use of analytics into their in-game strategy i love the question what do you got sarah yeah it's a great question i i think yes i mean i don't know how much you can do money ball you know the way you can with baseball but if there's a leader in this area i would say the ravens are among the leaders um i think the ravens are one of the first to even hire an analytics person and that has now grown into a department at the Ravens. They have, you know, more than one. So yes, they are definitely leaning more into analytics. And I think John Harbaugh does a really good job of being open to that and listening to that while balancing it with gut decisions, you know, on the field. Um, So, you know, they don't totally lean into it all the time, but, you know, John Harbaugh knows the numbers. He, he knows these things. Eric DaCosta, he's a, he's, he's a smart guy. He's a smart, smart guy. I know he leans into it a bit. And then in terms of like how they target certain positions, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Yes. And this is, you know, it's fans biggest gripes. We're going to get to the wide receivers. It is so abundantly clear that the Ravens do not believe in paying market price to wide receivers. I went back on Track, which is like a, a salary cap website, and they break down position spending. Now, I don't, I don't know that they're always exactly got the right numbers, but they're certainly in the ballpark. And so I went back for the past 10 years because a lot of people will accuse the Ravens of not getting receivers for Lamar and they're looking for Lamar to play hero ball. And maybe there's some truth to that, but this trend of not wanting to pay wide receivers dates way back before um, Lamar ever got here. So this is a franchise strategy. It's this money ball strategy that we're talking about here. So I went back the last 10 years, I've got numbers back to 2013. So this is basically the year after winning the Super Bowl. Let me give you the rankings of where the Ravens have, like their, 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 the percentage of their cap that they spent on it. This year, 2022, they are last in the league, 32. They're only putting 10 million of their cap space to the entire wide receiver position. Bobby, there are receivers who make double that in a single year, one wide receiver, one. So their entire wide receiver core is 32nd in how much money they're doling out. Last year, 21. Before that, 29, 27, 27. 17 is the highest they've been in the last 10 years. 20, 27, 29, 26. That's an average ranking over the last 10 years of 25.5. And so the Ravens, in my view, have never come out and said this, but the way I interpret that is that they're just seeing how much people spend in that position and saying, how much are we getting from it? And so you can say, well, look at all the Super Bowl winners. They always, you know, they always have at least one, one stud guy. And maybe that's true. 
But the Ravens obviously don't believe in that. And they think that their quarterbacks and their offenses can win with a tight end centric passing game. And that's what they're doubling down on. They're doubling down with Andrews and likely being drafted Kohler. He's been hurt, but you got Kohler, Nick Boyle. That's their bed and brother. And their bread and butter is bully ball. And so that's why they invest in their offensive line. The offensive line this year, by the way, let me look this up. The positional spending on offensive line uh, is number four this year. Now that's big time Ronnie Stanley. So Ronnie Stanley has got to, has got to play in order to justify that amount. Uh, and then running backs, they're right smack dab in the middle at, at 16. It helps that you have, you know, Dobbins still on his, on his rookie deal. So yeah, they, the biggest place where they spend is the secondary. So the Ravens clearly see that the entire league is trying to win through the air with big receivers and, and quarterbacks. So that's why they are spending almost a quarter of their cap dollars this year on stopping the pass. And then instead of competing with all these teams that believe in paying big money to these receivers, uh, they instead are saying, okay, we'll pay our quarterback. We'll see how much they do. And then they're saying, well, we're going to spend money on tight ends, which they rank number four in spending this year on tight ends. We're going to spend money on offensive line, again, number four. And we're going to try to win with bully ball and see if you guys can stop us because everybody else's defenses are set up to stop the pass. You're going to have to stop us in a physical in a physical way. So uh, I can hear right now fans complaining because they'll say oh, that's great in the regular season, but what do you do in, in once you hit the postseason? And that's, you know, that's a legitimate concern. Uh, but just to answer this question, yeah, I think the Ravens are playing money ball for sure. They are zigging while the rest of the NFL is zagging. Long story short, Adit, yes, they are the money ball team of the NFL. Great question. And again, Sarah could talk about that for hours. I'm going to let that one be because we are on to the Greg Roman and offense category. And this first question comes in from Jason Friedman. He writes, do the Ravens have the offensive weapons they need to win a championship on their current roster? I mean, Sarah... What we've seen in the last few years of the Lamar Jackson era, four to be exact, is that they have constructed rosters that are capable of winning and winning often in the regular season. They have not proven as of this point that um, that they're capable of making deep runs into January and ultimately a deep run into February. But I think we're both of the belief that the moves that they've made this offseason, aside from bringing in sort of that that sexy number one wide receiver that they feel could very well be Rashad Bateman in year two fully healthy, that they have gone ahead and made the proper moves and retooled the offensive line and brought in the aforementioned tight ends to kind of return to that 2019 form as an offense and more than anything else brought back the no fly zone to the secondary to that classic Baltimore secondary that always seems to be deep and lethal so yeah the way I look at this is they've done everything in their power based on what they believe based on what they feel is a good way of constructing their roster to be successful in the NFL and whether that translates into a deep January and ultimately February run remains to be seen. Yeah, I do think they have the pieces to win a championship. That doesn't mean that there aren't weaknesses on the roster. And I think we're going to get to that later on 
Um, there's lots of questions about wide receiver and outside linebacker, so I'll save that for them or for then. I will say I do think that all a lot of this falls on, and this is for any team, a lot of this falls on a quarterback. It's not everything, but a lot of it does. I think that the defense has what it takes. Um, but I think that Lamar is capable of winning a championship, and I know that the rest of the league isn't so sure. Uh, and I know there's a segment of fans that think that if you get him a, you know, a stud wide receiver, then then he'd be more capable, and that's probably true. So, but I think the championship really comes down to health and and Lamar Jackson in in, in a big part of it. Um, and I think he's capable. I think he's capable. I think if his offensive line stays he- healthy, if Ronnie Stanley is healthy and the offensive line stays healthy with Lamar Jackson, because to me, that's the real thing. It's the offensive line with Lamar being healthy. Uh, I think those are the key factors in the Ravens becoming a championship team. All right, that one guy, he's got the next question. He says, has the offense done enough to address the zero blitz blocking problem that reared its ugly head in Miami last year? What do you think, Bobby? Oh, I like this one because obviously – that Dolphins game really exposed Baltimore in a lot of ways. You know, they really had zero answer, pun intended, there for what Miami's defense was throwing at them that night. So uh, I think time will tell. You know, they've obviously spent a lot of money, as we mentioned, uh, both in free agency and in draft capital by, you know, retooling the offensive line, bringing in tight ends. Um, obviously, running backs are asked to uh, pass protect in a lot of ways and, and block in this offense. And they didn't have. Their guys in Miami, they didn't have J.K. Dobbins. They didn't have Gus Edwards. They didn't have Justice Hill, all three of which are expected to be in the fold this year. Maybe not week one in Gus Edwards' case, which is a conversation for another time, but um, and maybe even later on in this episode. But to me, the pieces are there to make sure that this is addressed. To me, the key to beating the, the Cover Zero Blitz is our guy, Rashad Bateman, and Roman calling plays for him. This is, listen, this cover zero blitz, they're all up on you. Lamar, it gives less room for Lamar to scramble. Again, I think you make a good point that we didn't have the the horses in the running back uh, room last year, and so that will obviously help. But to me, it's Rashad Bateman. I would like to see Greg Roman in those situations put in a 3-1 alignment where Bateman is alone on the backside and just let him run a go route, okay? Because that's what makes defenses pay for going cover zero. He's not, no, the defense, the opposing defense isn't going to have help over top if you're in a cover zero blitz. And so you put Rashad Bateman in that 3-1 alignment where he's alone on the backside, give him the go route, and let's see this chemistry that he and Lamar have been putting together and just let them go up and get these balls one-on-one. And then they're going to be forced to put a safety over top to help stop him. I saw, we didn't really get a chance to see Lamar come back after the zero blitz because he got injured a couple games after, very, very soon after. But I did see um, Roman doing that with Huntley and, and, and uh, Rashad. And so I wish that he had done it earlier in Miami, uh, but I think that is one of the big keys in beating the Blitz. Angelove85 comes in next. That's at Nikki622A on Twitter. Thanks for the tweet. Offense has been having some less than stellar days lately, she writes. Is that a testament to our offensive scheme or is our defense really good? I, 
Sarah, they've made a ton of additions and changes and tweaks and also brought in Mike McDonald to this defense. I think um, this group is going to be very dangerous, very consistent, very stout this season. And so, as they say, and as Coach Harbaugh says, iron sharpens iron. So I'm not going to take much from who beats who in terms of position groups or offense versus defense on any given day. Right. I don't read too much into it because I I do think the defense, especially the interior defensive line, is going to be good. They're getting pieces back on in the secondary. The safety is probably the deepest position they have. Cornerback is getting healthy. Plus, they've drafted really well at corner. Um, these these two fourth round rookies are looking like they're going to be able to you know contribute this year. And at the same time that this was going on, let's not forget that the Ravens don't have uh, have been missing a lot of their wide receivers. Um, so we know that Prochet hasn't been out there. Tylen Wallace hasn't been out there. Um, Devin Duvernay just got back, and so um, it might it might be a function of of not having those receivers out there um uh, which by the way <laughs> can be cause for concern which again we're going to get into at the wide receiver section of what happens if there's an injury with such a thin thin group there we're driven by the search for better but when it comes to hiring the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all don't search match with indeed Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. But let's move along to defense now. We've, we've kind of attacked the offense from multiple lang- angles. Uh, we've got Ravens rising. Asking, given the Ravens' presumed starters on defense, McDonald's propensity to let players do what they do best in their upcoming schedule, where do you think a healthy Ravens defense ranks? Well, I hope it's not 32nd in the in pass defense again because that's where they ended last year uh, with, with – I think they were ranked pretty low with turnovers also. Um, yeah, I think that the Ravens can get back to who the Ravens are, which is just – annually being a top 10 defense, uh, if not better. I mean, top 10 should be the the floor. Ravens really want to be in the top five, but I do think that uh, they missed 
turnovers big time by by losing Peters. I think that the safety group, Marcus Williams, just had two interceptions on the last day of camp um, as they, they start to, to get better. Um, I, again, we're going to get to this in the concern section. I mean, where it is is what's this outside, outside linebacker group going to look, look like? Um, because the pass rush is going to be huge. Uh, the Ravens spent a lot on the secondary. We obviously know that that's their strength, but no secondary can hold up if you're not getting any pressure on the quarterback. So that's where I'm most interested in. I'd like to see what McDonald does with, you know, uh, Odafe Owe and letting him just like do his thing. And, you know, when does Ojabo come back, all of that kind of stuff. So a lot of this is going to depend on what happens with that outside linebacker group, but if healthy, they're going to be a top 10 defense for sure, if not more. All right. How about this from Simply AS10? Our guy, Alex, he writes, realistic expectations for Mike McDonald's first season as defensive coordinator. This could mean helping grow our young defensive core, improving sack totals and causing more turnovers. Looking forward to listening. And shout out to Alex because he hosts a Ravens podcast as well called Purple Rain. I was a guest of his recently, and he's a great dude, super talented in the video editing category as well within Ravens Twitter. I think they really appreciate him. But Sarah, you know, in terms of realistic expectations, I'm expecting Mike as one of the up-and-coming young football minds that the Ravens really sort of, you know, they knew, right, as a former coaching intern for John Harbaugh they knew they, they saw something in this guy and I can't wait to see after what he did one year just one year in Michigan for that group I can't wait to see what he brings to the table and specifically you know his familiarity with a guy like David Ajabo I know we won't be seeing him until later on this season if if all goes well with his recovery timeline but I don't know if he's going to be as blitz happy as as one wink Martindale, but I'm excited to see what he brings to the table. How about you? His rise so far has been meteoric, and it's just like if he continues on this path, it's not it's not going to be long. I mean, if he gets the Ravens back into like a top five defense, you know, two or three years in a row, you can just tell. I mean, he just he's going to get head coaching. <laughs> he's going to get head coaching offers soon, and it's like you said, the Ravens knew. The Ravens knew that he was going to be great. Uh, Jim, Jim steals him. John steals him back. They're fighting over him. Um, they kind of move on from week Martindale in order to, to bring him back. Uh, so I'm excited. I'm, I'm excited. He's always been behind the scenes until he went to Michigan. I'm excited to see what, what he can do, but, but this should, this should be fun for sure. All right. So the next category we kind of have here, uh, we, we combine together wide receiver and outside linebacker, because that's where we get a lot of questions in terms of concern with the depth at each position. So, um, so we're going to hit on both of those. We've got Garrett Ferguson. He asked, (laughs) we had so many of these questions. Maybe we can combine the first two. Let's combine these first two because Garrett Ferguson asked, what's Sherman or Shamar Bridges? I said Sherman. Uh, what's Shamar Bridges path to earning the starting role as wide receiver two or three? Garrett's just blowing past, right past, will he make the team? Will he make the roster? And going straight to wide receiver two. In your eyes, what does he have to do to get there? And then just to combine it with this one, Raven O's Flocker. 
he says, what's the outlook for Slade Bolden? Didn't hear much in camp and he missed week one of the preseason. I had a few, I had kind of a fun back and forth on Twitter last night, Bobby, with uh, Drew and Rainey, but they have been driving the Slade Bolden train. They're trying to get everybody to hop on. Okay. So first of all, I think Slade is more of a candidate for the practice squad. And I could just hear people groaning right now as I say that there is such a following for him. It's unreal. But we didn't even get to see him in the first preseason game. But yeah, Drew had asked me his 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 joke. Oh, I think it was a joke, but maybe he was being serious. His his question was is who is going to be wide receiver two and why is it Slade Bolden? <laughs> so um, I'm I'm first. Let me let me see him in a preseason game. Then let's see him in a second preseason game, and then maybe we can talk about practice squad and making the roster. And then we can get to wide receiver too. As for Shamar Bridges, at least we saw him in a preseason game, Bobby, and he was lights out. He was lights out. And to be fair to all these questions who are talking about wide receiver too, I don't feel like anybody has grabbed that role by the horns and just taken it. You know what I mean? I mean, it's probably going to be Devin Duvernay, and he's flashed here and there. He's, he's had an okay camp, but he hasn't like grabbed – the position by its horns. And so I get where these questions are coming from, but I like Shamar Bridges. I like wide receiver. He's just tough. He's strong. He times the, the ball well when he goes up and gets it. He doesn't strike me as, as a diva as many wide receivers are. So right now I would put him ahead of Slade Bolden in just making the team if either one of them makes it. But we have two more preseason games, so I feel like this is premature. So that's where I'm at with both of them. I, where are you at, Bobby? Sarah, I appreciate um, Garrett's enthusiasm about the wide receiver two or three conversation. But I think the reality is that Bateman is one, Duvernay is two, Prochet is three. I think based on Tylen Wallace being a second-year player, yeah, he's dealing with a minor sprain, but they used you know some valuable draft cattle on him in, in 2021 out of Oklahoma State. I think they want to give him another shot. So right there you have four. And if they keep five, that's where I think Bridges made a case for himself in preseason game number one, like to be the fifth guy. You know, that, that's kind of where I'm at there. And I think I'm with you on the whole Slade Bolden train. I appreciate that Ravens Twitter train that uh, seems to be chugging right along, but uh, I'm not sure if it's gaining the, the, uh, the steam to the extent of what it needs. You like those analogies there, by the way? I like it. I love it. All right, let's keep moving here. Nate Christian writes in, that's at NateNFL on Twitter, how many wide receivers do the Ravens have on their roster after the 53-man cut and who? I mean, that's kind of what I was just getting at, Sarah. I think it's going to be five and, and a potential undrafted rookie of the names that we've been throwing out there so far have a – a potential chance at being that fifth and final guy. How do you see the room shaking out? Yeah, I agree with what you said. I don't I don't need to repeat it. It's obviously very thin, but we talked about in the Moneyball section that this is a tight end centric team. Got Likely, got Andrews, you got Boyle, you've got Kohler play coming back. Um, so if the Ravens are thin there and only keep five, you know, some teams keep seven, maybe more. Um I just don't think that this that this position means as much to the Ravens' offense as other teams. So I don't think they can. 
I'm sure they would love it, get away with just having four, but I don't think they can get away with having four. So yeah, I'd put it at five. Uh, I don't, I don't see anybody, all the other undrafted wide receivers you can put on, you can put on the practice squad and then, you know, if you need to bring them up, then you can bring them up. So I think that's all, I think I'll keep it at five. Uh, hashtag rage on the red sea asks, are we going to sign a wide receiver? Bateman seems solid. We definitely need a number, uh, need a wide receiver too. You guys have probably listened to me. I've been saying for a long time, I think the Ravens need to sign a veteran. Um, even though the wide receiver position isn't as important to the Ravens offense as other teams, I think that the Ravens are playing with fire if they don't add somebody else, because if Bateman were to get hurt, okay, they can handle if Prochet gets hurt, if Duvernay gets hurt, they can handle that. But if Bateman gets hurt, Bobby, I, I don't, I don't know. I don't know what the answer is. I mean, the answer is going to have to be the other guys on the team, but, um, yeah, um, I've been saying that I think that they will sign somebody. I think that they should sign somebody. They've held off so far. I don't know if they will, but I think they should. If that were to happen, I think the answer would be they're in trouble based on the lack of track record and, and inexperience in that wide receiver room, speaking candidly. So that's my take on that. Nana Rave, number eight. I assume that's for LJ8. She writes, do you guys believe that Tylen Wallace will be given the opportunity to show his talents barring his injury? I think we can kind of sneak through this one quickly since we've covered that, Sarah. I think they're going to give him a, a shot to obviously remain a part of this team and um, give him another chance in year two. It's crazy to me. Uh, of course they're giving him an opportunity. That just goes into what we were just talking about. They haven't signed anybody. They haven't signed a veteran. The opportunity, the door is wide open, not just for Wallace, but for all these guys, Duvernay, Prochet, these undrafted guys. I don't know how you give them a bigger opportunity. So I don't know if if um, Nana means like, will he be given an opportunity in the regular season? Um, in my view, you have to earn snaps in the regular season. And based off of everything that you know we've heard coming out of camp, Tylen Wallace hasn't really been making noise and I guarantee you he's had the opportunity there and that was even before his injury so yeah he's had the talent I mean he's had the opportunity he's just got to put it together for it to happen I mean I can't I'm actually shocked at how much opportunity they've they've been given all these these young guys so um moving along Terrence Mayberry with two of the biggest areas of opportunities being at edge rusher and wide receiver after the draft do you feel those areas have been addressed and are they now areas of strength? I would not call either of those positions area of strength. I think both are thin. I feel I feel like the Ravens are, and you have to do this as a football team. You can't have proven veterans everywhere. The Ravens, to me, are betting big time on two people, Odafe Owe and Rashad Bateman. They are pushing in all their chips on these second-year players. They were drafted in the same round together, just two picks apart. And if these two picks take the step that I think all of us are hoping for and think that they can have, then it's all good. If, if Odafe Owe becomes a double-digit sack guy, it's all good. That's, that's fine. Then you can have Houston, and, and hopefully Tyus will be back in you know, week one, although he, he won't be 100%. But until the outside linebacker group gets healthy, 
it's a little bit nerve wracking there. And then wide receiver, it's just like <laughs> these young guys got to step up. So no, I would not call either one areas of strength. Uh, but I think that they have addressed it in terms of putting two first round draft picks in both those rooms. And I think that covers the final question in this category as well comes in from uh, Dryderson. They write, Sarah's, there's been a lot of emphasis on our wide receiver room, but I feel like there hasn't been enough emphasis on the outside linebacker room. At the moment, it looks like we're rolling with away Houston means Hayes and maybe Moon with Ajabo and Bowser coming back midseason. Is that enough to win? And that remains a big question, as you just mentioned. So let's shift into the concerns and areas of weakness category department. Jordan Brownstein starts it off and he writes, how are you feeling about the progress of the PUP guys? You feeling any different about adding another receiver after a few weeks of camp? Well, I think, you know, aside from the receiver part of that question, because we've covered it, Gus Edwards remains a worry in terms of PUP, Sarah, because he's someone who is listed as questionable way out in advance by John Harbaugh coming back from his torn ACL. He's not on the same recovery timeline as his peer and teammate J.K. Dobbins is and has been. And I have some worries. He's got a lot more miles and tread on those legs than a guy in Dobbins, you know, coming back for his third NFL season and really just second playing because of missing last year with a torn ACL. So I think he's at the top of, of my worry list. How about you? Yeah, I think you just have to be patient with all these guys, even if they do get back. Like watching, you know, J.K. Dobbins just in the videos of him with his individual drills. He, I mean, you can see in him the explosiveness of J.K. Dobbins, but to me, he doesn't look 100%. He doesn't look as fluid as he once did. And I think that that's okay. That's to be expected. That's part of the process. And so, and J.K. Dobbins is ahead of everybody else. I will say when Marcus Peters, he looked pretty smooth, though. He looked even more smooth than, than, than J.K. Uh, definitely nervous about Stanley, especially after last year he came back for one game and then we never saw him again. Uh, Tyus Bowser, I mean, who knows? They're all question marks. And so how do I feel? I feel good in that they could, uh, other than Gus Edwards, that all of them could be back around week one. But knowing that, I don't feel good that they won't be 100%. We can't expect that. And so we're going to have to have patience for all of them, give them a quarter or even up to a half of the season for them to kind of like, you know, return to form. So I feel good that they're going to be back. I think it's huge that they should be back, but we're going to need to be patient and see how they feel even once they're on the field. All right, Big Mike at this Big Mike at Rave Fan Long. At this point of the season, what do you think are the Ravens' strengths and weaknesses? I think we named them strength, safety, interior defensive line, uh, tight end, quarterback with Lamar Jackson, weaknesses for now, outside linebacker, maybe inside linebacker, depending on Patrick Queen and how he looks at going into his third year and wide receiver. And then finally, Gusto's chain writes in uh, just to finish up this category. Who are some guys y'all think improved the most over the course of camp? What are some of the biggest remaining questions and issues with the team at this point? I don't know how you can't fill in as a shoe in here for the first part of that question. Um, Isaiah likely uh, a guy who has just burst onto the scene has cemented himself as seemingly a big part of this offense come 2022. His teammates say that, his quarterback says that, his head coach is expecting him to be exactly that. So 
I'll go there. How about the second part of the question for you, Sarah? Some of the biggest remaining questions. I We kind of covered them, but uh, are you saying outside linebacker room? Outside linebacker and wide receiver. All right, moving on to the offensive line. Brandon T. Myers asks, what do you think will be the best case and worst case scenario with what we've seen so far with the offensive line heading into the regular season? The worst case scenario is that Ronnie can't play. Um, because that has a domino effect across the line. The Ravens have done a much, much, much better job at getting depth at the tackle position, hands down. But they were never going to be able to go and sign and spend money on somebody equivalent to Ronnie. This is an all-pro player that is a top-five paid tackle. You can't pay two top-five tackles. So I think they've done a great job getting in Juwan James, getting in Morgan Moses, getting in drafting Daniel Falele. So the depth is much better, but nobody is Ronnie Stanley. So the worst case is that he can't play. Almost any other injury, Zeitler would be the next one, but any other injury you can like you can deal with it. You can deal with it. But but Ronnie's a big thing. Best case is that everybody stays healthy. I mean, can you imagine this line? If we've got Ronnie Stanley. And whoever wins the left guard job, whether it's Cleveland, Tyree Phillips, or uh, Ben Powers, boy, oh boy, could you imagine big old Tyree Phillips next to Stanley, though? Woo! Then you've got Tyler Linderbaum coming in as a rookie, playing up to his first-round draft status. Zeitler, who's just a consummate pro veteran. And then Morgan Moses, I feel great about that offensive line. I feel great about it. If that's all healthy and, and they can all be there, that's the best case scenario. Let's finish up with this category. It's the roster category. Best for last, Sarah. And Ida Marriott Dumpster writes in. I hope I pronounced that correctly. The at is a Dumpster Ida. I really want a backstory on that, by the way. But two questions come in from Ida. One, what undrafted free agent or plural do you think will be on the roster for the Jets game? And number two, who do you think will start the year on PUP or IR to return? One, I'm going to go with uh, what we had covered earlier on in this episode. I think the fifth and final wide receiver will be one of the undrafted free agents. Right now, obviously, the favorite is Shamar Bridges, but who knows? Makai Polk is, is putting together some solid tape as well. And I think, you know, Perhaps even Jalen Moore is in that conversation. We both feel that Slade Bolden, as of right now, though, is a practice squad candidate. And then number two, uh, who do you think will start the year on PUP? Gus Edwards, uh, just based on what we've heard from camp about his status and where he is on his recovery timeline. Anything different there that you would add between those two questions? All right, nope, got nothing to add there. Agree with you there. And we're going to wrap up with this final question from Chalky Black. Uh, where do you feel Jefferson and Stone fall on the safety group? And do you see Chuck Clark being the green dot to begin the season? I do see Chuck Clark being the green dot. Oh, I love that guy. I just love what he stands for. I love his work ethic. I love how he's handled um, this whole situation where the Ravens pay another safety big time money when that, you know, in his mind probably should have been him or could have been him. They use a first round draft pick on another safety and he's just been a pro's pro. And on top of it, all the reports say he's the only one that can consistently guard Mark Andrews. He knows the defense better than anybody. Yes, I think he'll be the green dot. Where do you feel Jefferson and Stone fall? I think the Ravens will keep quite a number of safeties because I think the dime packages, they'll be able to take an inside linebacker off and have more guys be up in that dime linebacker role 
Jefferson can play that for sure. Stone has a lot of special teams ability. So I could see the Ravens keeping both of them, Bobby. Yeah, no, I'm totally in agreement with you. And I think we'll kind of dive deeper into the weeds in, in this category specifically when we do have our, you know, wall to wall episode on all things post 53 man roster announcement. So look forward to that in the coming weeks as we get ready for the three week countdown to the start of the. Ravens 2022 regular season. Sarah, our first Q&A mailbag here on the vault is down the hatch. We weren't able to get to everyone, as we mentioned at the top. So that doesn't mean we didn't read your stuff. And that doesn't mean that maybe your questions or question um, weren't compelling. It was just a timing thing. So we'll definitely be diving into this strategy here on on the vault periodically throughout the season right partner well we did get to a lot of questions though i must say that was more than like three or four okay we probably got to like a good 20 of them so i feel like we did our we did a pretty good job there and we're about about an hour in here so we'll go ahead and wrap things up really appreciate you guys once again being so supportive thank you for all the questions coming up obviously keep looking for our uh morning ravens vault those are published Bye, Bobby. Thankfully, getting it all up at 6 a.m. every single morning, Monday through Friday. And then coming up, obviously, the Ravens will travel to Arizona and play out there against, we didn't even talk about him today. We had it in the morning vault, though, Hollywood Brown. So that will be an interesting matchup. See how we'll get more answers to all the questions with this game and then the third preseason game. So Bobby and I will have, it's a late game. But we will still have posted our instant reaction come Monday morning at 6 a.m. That will replace our regular morning bolt that day. But that's what's coming up. We appreciate all your support. Make sure you continue to follow us. Recommend us to a friend. Give us a rating. Anything you can do to help continue us grow the Ravens Vault. And we will be back here Friday morning. We'll talk to you then.